Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Rotor Road Football Podcast. My name is Josh Norris. His name, John Daigle. Busy day, Media Row here today. Yeah, this is day two on set. Beautiful set, Matt Casey. Good Beautiful job. Day as well. Tom Popple, good job on NBC Sports. Uh, it's a wonderful day. We've got a great show lined up for you. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, Daigle, we are in Miami. Mm-hmm. You, on the other hand, were able to go to the media party. I am night. the spokesman of the podcast, for sure. Can I live vicariously through you and you just give me tidbits? Because I haven't asked you about it at all. Loads of fun, uh, lots of people, but I would say at those things, typically what happens is either you end up in a click with a company you work for, uh, or you just meet nobody new whatsoever, even though it's a networking event. To be fair, there's not many dirty Everyone details. Everyone was on their best behavior? We were back in time, got back to the hotel room, did some work. And then I came down this morning and saw that apparently after yesterday's videos and photos we took, you also decided to go blazer. And so now we look like men in blazers, but for football. Well, can I be honest with you? I don't think this is a good look, if I can be honest. With me? No, for both of us. It's a Dangle, circus act. You can't just insult me. No, not you, but both of us doing it makes it look like a weird circus your, act. Your honesty is just popping up. Uh, now you can be honest. No, okay. I, I brought the blazer. It wasn't like I just went and purchased it. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want to wear it, and I will at some point wear navy and navy. I just felt like you were just trying to have a power move. You were that trying to not. look way more official than me on the set when I just had a collared shirt on with my pale and thin arms. Behind the scenes, you you know, our producer, Chris, knows that the blazer is literally only on because I didn't bring a belt. I forgot it back in Connecticut. So there's no reason. There's no power move here. It's just I refuse to spend $50 at a Miami outlet on a belt because I'm that stubborn. One of the more shocking things I've learned this week is Dago has a size 32 waist. So Don't say my waist size on the podcast. I'm 36. I mean, that, that is shocking to me. When we get in the podcast. Hey, how about what the people came here for? Not my waist size. <laughs> on today's episode, we have wonderful, wonderful guests. Uh, Kenyon Drake is on with us. Carson Palmer, the former Bengal Raider, Arizona Cardinal, is on the show. Uh, fantastic conversation with Carson. He had some interesting things to say about Lamar Jackson, about his time with Bruce Arians, yep. so on and so forth. Tom Curran, who is so in the know of the New England Patriots. I feel like we got some insider knowledge there talking to him. I think all of us understand what the Patriots are going to do more this offseason after listening to that Absolutely. Tom Curran interview. Cameron Hayward sat on this desk. He almost collapsed it. What a good dude. I mean, what a great dude. We have this little bucket game that you all know that we play. I don't know if his hand was going to fit in there, but uh, Cam Hayward, awesome football player, awesome interview. Preston Williams, 
One of my one of my favorites. Yeah, I, I genuinely love watching Preston Williams play. Even then during the preseason, I talked him up, yeah. and so it was very exciting to talk to him and just hear the perspective coming from the Dolphins locker room and organization when we obviously have a different view. You know, he's gonna be really jealous of that interview. Is Ian Harditz. Ian was a big Preston Williams guy. Ian Harditz, who, by the way, is back in Stanford, <laughs> like doing all the writing content right now. Yes. Like you can go to Roto World and check out all the amazing columns he's writing. And we close out with Brad Evans. Brad Evans, as you know, is the voice. Uh, Brad Evans. Of the voiceless now? Well, no, he's like, uh, you know, he's, he does he's fantasy CM everything. Punk. I, th- <laughs> I think that's a good way okay. of describing Brad Evans. So we just close out with a bunch of props uh, for the Super Bowl with him. Anyways, let's get into it right now. Yeah. Joined at the desk now by Miami Dolphins running back, Arizona Cardinals running back, and most importantly, free agent running back, that is Kenyon Drake. Kenyon, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, before we get started with the interview, let's talk about what you're doing with the Ocean Conservancy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yesterday we were at uh, the historic Virginia Beach. and. Yeah. Uh, we were able to uh, surpass our 50 million uh, ton goal that while we, uh, you know, walked the beach and picked up, uh, you know, all the trash, plastic, debris um, that is really just kind of devastating our ocean, especially, you know, in the Miami area. Uh, Miami is definitely known for, you know, its beautiful beaches, beautiful water. Uh, so we want to do everything we can and obviously use this platform, the Super Bowl, being here to uh, raise awareness for, you know, making sure we keep the, the beaches clean and uh, for the wildlife and for our future generations so everybody can enjoy the water. Is this something that interested you once you got drafted by the Dolphins? Uh, yeah, I, I've always had a, a, a natural fascination for the ocean, for the water. Wow. And once I came down to Miami, it was just kind of natural for me to fall into place with that. And since this is actually literally the first time I'm back since uh, I was traded, yeah. um, you know, they asked me to uh, be a part of this cause. And, you know, I, I jumped, you know, right at the first chance because I, I just felt like it was something that definitely means a lot to me and obviously to uh, the, the future health of, you know, the rest of the world because the oceans are really a, a lot of a, a source of food for a lot of people or a home for a lot of people. So you just right. want to keep it, you know, as clean as possible. You mentioned the trade. Not a lot of people get traded midseason in the NFL anymore. Can you kind of talk us through that from your perspective? I'm sure it's a bit of a whirlwind yeah. trying to get prepared in one week to play in the next week's game. Yeah, it was um, it was actually pretty surreal because so I was traded, you know, on Monday. Mm-hmm. They were I was supposed to have made the trip to Pittsburgh with the team, but I didn't make the trip. Yeah. So then I had already had my bags packed. Uh, prepared to go to a, a, a number of teams or a number of different locations, really didn't have any clue. Um, so then I got the call from uh, Chris Greer, the GM, that I was traded to Arizona. And that was a surprise to me because that really wasn't on my radar in terms of the teams that I thought I would go to. And then once I got traded or that, you know, it sunk in, you know, he tells me, you know, it's going to be it's gonna be bittersweet that, you know, I see you play on Thursday. And I'm like, Thursday? <laughs> like it's Monday, you know what I mean? So... That, that same day I get uh, I float I fly out to uh, to Arizona. I'm right. there by two two p.m. I jump in with um, you know the, the running back coach uh, Sacks. Um, you know meet the head coach, meet the officer coordinator, and Thursday I'm playing a game. Wow. And it just kind of worked out for the best because you know I was really just out there asking Kyler, all right, which way do I line up? Which way do I run? Like just. <laughs> Those are the questions, you know, I was just in his ear like, hey, where I, what did I do? And, you know. He's like, run this way. Right, literally. That's all it was. He <laughs> just kind of got back down to the simple fact that it's a game. But it clearly didn't halt you. You were unstoppable with the Cardinals. What were a few of the reasons you hit the ground running so successfully with them? Um, just the, the pieces that they had around me. Um, I feel like at the running back position, as anybody knows, um, that position is you have to have the success of everybody else around you to be mm-hmm. successful. 
Um, and that's why I love the position. That's why I love the game in general because it's a, 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 a the, the, the greatest team sport in the world. And the you know, running back position kind of um, is the key for everybody else around you, like you said, having that success. So, um, you know, Kyler did a great job, you know, helping me, you know, through the first few weeks of me trying to get the playbook down. Uh, coach Kingsbury, uh, my running back coach, the offensive line, uh, receivers, you know, blocking downfield, things of that nature. So, um, you know, all the keys around me, you know, helped me be successful. You mentioned Kyler, so let's talk about him a little bit. Obviously, in what, the first four years of your career, you've played with a number of quarterbacks, both young and old. Mm-hmm. What, where does Kyler fit in that? What type of person is he? What did you see from him during his rookie year? Um, very dynamic. You got that um, little smile on your face, too, when you yeah. mentioned him. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, because he's a, he's a very special cat. Uh, you know, for him to be a rookie, Obviously, for him to come into the the league and run a, a you know a very similar offense to what he ran in, in college, it was it was like it, he wasn't a rookie because everything was so seamless for him to kind of go out there. He he has all the the um, you know the nuances of like you know just the the sly uh, hand signal to the to the receiver for you know when he sees some type of um, you know defensive structure to where he wants to make a change in the offense or play or whatever. He just kind of has like the ability to go out there and just make the play that needs to be put, made when it needs to be made. Um, and, you know, I feel like he's only going to get better. You know, sometimes, you know, he, you know, he made rookie mistakes. It's just, you know, comes mm-hmm. with the growing process. But um, every game, he literally got better. And, you know, I look forward to see, you know, what he can continue to accomplish throughout the rest of his career. You've worked with a number of prolific coaches. So I just want to list a couple of names and I want to hear the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Nick Saban. Uh, perfectionist. Perfectionist? Yeah. Uh, Adam Gase. Um, just mad genius. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard a lot of things about Adam Gase. Mad genius is not one of them, but I'm glad to hear it from you. <laughs> Brian Flores. Um, just a militant mind. Militant. And, of course, Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, just... Easy going. <laughs> Seems like he worked under a lot of mad geniuses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about Cliff because those are from the outside that you know might not be in the NFL world can look at the running game and see that it is different. I mean, it's different than a lot of running games I'm sure you've played in or across the league. If you can kind of take us in out of the meeting room, the game plan, give us one nugget of what makes his style of running game, how he creates space for you differently than anyone else has before. Um, he, well, one, what really makes that offense goes is the dynamic ability of the quarterback, whether that was um, uh, Kyler or uh, Brett Hundley coming in, right. in in his relief. And when you have a dynamic quarterback that, one, can you know hurt you with his arm but also can hurt you with his legs it just creates these running lanes or these these different type of holes that normally wouldn't be there if you're running like a regular zone power scheme type of offense because one you can't blitz the quarterback as often as you would because then he just escape out the pocket make things happen with his feet you know throw the ball down the field or run with the ball but then also when you're running the ball like there's the zone read option scheme to it to where you, he's putting that ball in my belly. It's still a whole dynamic of if that DN comes down, he's going to go around a corner. If he sees a linebacker or the safety come down, he's just going to throw it over the top. Yeah. So it's just a lot of different things that the, the defense has to account for. And with me being you know, as dynamic of a runner as I try to be, with all the weapons that we have on the outside, collar or whatever it may have you, it just creates this, this tremendous amount of space. And 
when you have the weapons to you know make that you know the most make the most of that space, um, there's a lot of big plays. Can we talk money? Mm. Um, because you're a free agent for the first time in the career. Yeah. Is it as simple as? hey, I had a lot of success when I was with the Cardinals. I want to stay in that same scheme with those same players. Or is it a little more complicated than that? Yeah, I mean, this this game is, it's, like I said, it's the ultimate team sport. So I'm going to obviously consider everything that kind of goes into being where I feel like is going to be the best fit for me as mm-hmm. a team and, you know, the pieces around me. But at the same time, you know, it's a business, and you have to be able to make sure you make the, the most financially secure decision for not just right now, but for, you know, the next generation. So that's where my head ultimately is, is making sure that I can do the things that I can do, uh, not just for myself right now, but, you know, change the trajectory for my family's future. You had the most professional answer I could even ask for, <laughs> so thank you for that. Uh, we haven't asked you at all about the game on Sunday. We're gonna play a little game. Okay. If you could choose one of these pieces of paper out of this bucket, right. just read it out loud and answer the question. That would be awesome. All right. We'll be we'll be blessed with a big man touchdown. Ooh, I hope so. Cause I'm trying to think. You kind of have to answer yes so they help you out next year. Right, so, exactly. so this could be either a defensive lineman, so that could be Nick Bo, so okay. that could be DeForest Buckner, could be Joe Staley catching a pass as a tackle eligible. And I, I feel like with the how, like you said, how the dynamic weapons that the Chiefs have, yeah. and the defensive prowess that the the 49ers have, I feel like one of these. This is obviously to happen because there could be a strip fumble. You know, uh, what's the name? Uh, um, he's a he's a mad genius too. Um, Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, he's a mad genius, mm-hmm. so he can come up with you know something crazy. Out, you know, it's the and Andy Reid too. At, of course he. Yeah. Is. So it's like I feel like. I don't, I don't know. I feel like anything can happen, will happen. Murphy's Law, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those games that, that's definitely the case. Kenyon, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate yes, it, man. It was a lot of Thank fun. You. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Yes, sir. Now at the desk is Carson Palmer, Heisman Trophy winner. Carson Palmer, three-time Pro Bowler, two-time Pro Bowler. Do you even remember? Been a couple times. Yeah, that Heisman was a long time ago. <laughs> it feels a long time ago. Well, we'll hit on that. We'll touch on that in a little bit. Uh, I know you're here with us on behalf of FedEx. Why don't you tell us what you're doing with them? Yeah, so uh, throughout the entire season, the FedEx air and ground player uh, has been going on. Fans have been able to vote. We're going to announce it tomorrow. I'm sorry, Saturday, uh, right before the uh, honors show. And it's coming down to the wire. The the voting closes tomorrow. Fans can log on and vote at the NFL Twitter page. You can log on and vote at NFL.com forward slash FedEx. And, you know, there's six great guys up for the award and the FedEx air side. You got Lamar Jackson, you got Russell Wilson, you got Patrick Mahomes on the FedEx ground side. You got Derrick Henry in the season he had that was spectacular. What Christian McCaffrey did was spectacular. Uh, and then also Nick, Nick Chubb is a kind of a guy that's forgotten about that average, I think, almost five yards. Terrific carry. season. Yeah. Amazing season. Uh, and, fe- and FedEx is going to donate $40,000 in behalf wow. Of, wow. of both players' names to the USO program. And the USO program is something uh, that it's a program that helps our recently retired service men and women transition into the next phase of their lives. So fans can vote. Again, those are the two ways they can vote. Voting closes tomorrow at 3 Eastern. I voted for Derrick Henry. I thought what he did was unbelievable. And he threw that team on his back and yeah. almost got here to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And what Lamar Jackson did, I mean, it's just something we haven't seen. You're always... 
um, blown away when, when somebody just shatters somebody's statistics. Plays the game differently. I, plays yeah. it different than everybody else. I wanted has. to ask you about Lamar because obviously you were this very accomplished pocket passer. Don't want to pigeonhole you, but pocket passer. For sure. Yet you sit there, and I think the 2019 season was kind of defined by Lamar Jackson. What goes through your head when you're watching a player like that play the same position that you did in a different style? I cringe. I I love it. <laughs> I, and I I love watching him play. He's yeah. electrifying. He is tune into the Ravens game kind of guy. Um, but man, being a quarterback and seeing that pounding he took, and and it's you know he he runs like a running back. He's a quarterback, no doubt. I know he took a lot of uh, he took um, a lot of offense to that. Because he proved himself, he is a quarterback in the National Football League. But he runs the ball with aggression, and he runs the ball with anger. And you know, being a quarterback, I know how that feels when you're 28 and 32 and 35 and 37. And I just worry about the long long term sustainability for him. Um, but man, he's he's young. He's you know he's he's still he's 20 years old, 21 years old. He's got a lot of football left in him. But seeing these hits, they, I just know how they add up after week four and week 12 and then week 16 and year three, four, five, and you go on. And it's just a little shoulder here. It's a little hip injury here. It's a broken rib here. It's just hard to play the quarterback position taking that kind of pounding day in, day out. Well, speaking of quarterback, the number one overall pick, unconfirmed right now, is probably going to be a quarterback and land with the Bengals organization. So what was it like for you playing with the Bengals? Um. There were, there were some good years and there were some bad Sam's years. Sam's obviously running in, doing whatever yeah, he wants yeah, at NBC. He, he's just running the show. Just touching the head and uh, runs off. But no, um, you know, he, he's got a unique situation, a uh, very unique skill set, very athletic quarterback that can that can deliver the ball accurately all over the field. Um, and, and you know, he's going to have his work cut out. When, you, when you're the number one pick in the, in the draft, unless somebody traded up to get there, right. you're going to a really bad football team with mm-hmm. not very many good football players. Very That's why you're picking number one. So... Um, there's no doubt he's he's got an uphill battle in front of him. Carson, your two top touchdown seasons were actually 10 years apart. And that's probably something a lot of quarterbacks can't say. What would the or what were the differences between 36-year-old you that I believe threw 32 touchdown passes and then 26-year-old you who threw 35? I just think experience. You know, I think um, it's great to have a strong arm and be accurate or be able to run like Lamar. Um, but I think you saw a little bit of that at, at the end of the season with Lamar. He's still young. He doesn't have a ton of experience. He hasn't been on the playoff stage four, five, six, seven times. He hasn't been in hundreds of red zone situations down by six, mm-hmm. up by three. He hasn't had um, hundreds and hundreds of third down situations that he can reflect on from three years ago and two years ago and two weeks ago and last Sunday. Like the quarterback position is is so dependent i think on experience and doing things right and doing things wrong and when you do them wrong you learn from them and you progress so um you know i, I just think at at age 36 compared to age 26 i may, maybe didn't have the same velocity didn't have the same quickness but i had so much experience and so many things i kind of stored away in, in my brain bank to 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 pull on and rely on as my career went on you had to have a favorite receiver throwing to in that span right I had some great ones, man. I, I was very fortunate from Larry Fitzgerald in Arizona, who yeah. I think is one of the, probably the best to ever play the and game. And amazing he's still going. Wow, best still ever to doing play the it game. At the receiver position. Wow. I know everybody thinks just, you know, Jerry Rice's statistics outweigh that. But um, if I had to pick the best receiver to play the game, I, my, my pick goes to Larry. But I play with Chad Ochocinco. I play with TJ Hushmanzada, Terrell Owens. 
Uh, I, I was very fortunate to play with a lot of really good players. Smokey Brown, who's in mm-hmm. in, um, in Buffalo now, and having a you know, I, I, I was very blessed. Chris Henry, the late great Chris Henry. Yep. Uh, I was very fortunate to, to play with some great receivers. What would Bruce Arians have said to you if you threw 30 interceptions in a season? Ooh, I would not. That Monday meeting, <laughs> that Monday meeting when everybody's got to come in because you lost. Yeah. And when you throw 30 picks, you probably you probably lost more often than not. But, man, it was filled with a whole bunch of expletives. I mean, there's no <laughs> doubt about it. And he would, you know, he'll, he'll talk to Jameis just like, you know, whether it was a one-on-one conversation or it was Jameis in front of the owner or Jameis in front of the entire team. He will wear you out. And, um, you know, he, he forces you to have a, th- a thick skin, which is what you need playing quarterback. And just hearing him in the media, he hasn't changed much, by the way. He's no. still the same old Bruce. No. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't hold much back. We haven't asked you about the game at all on Sunday. To do that, why don't you pick a piece of paper out of this, read it okay. out loud, and answer the question if you can. Okay. Who has more receiving yards, Mecole Hardman or Emmanuel Sanders? Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah. Oh, blatant, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, I think they've got to bring some pressure. I, I think they have to to stop the run game. And when it is a play-action pass, or more often than not, and, you know, when they're running the football, that, that extra pressure they're going to bring from the linebacker position, the secondary position, um, it's going to leave guys one-on-one. And Emmanuel Sanders is a very difficult guy to cover one-on-one, especially when he's in the slot. But you do have Tyron Matthew in the slot covering him when he is in there. So I would look for them to be playing a lot of single high man coverage, bringing pressures to stop the run and leaving Emmanuel outside and and getting him one-on-one looks. Yeah, I mean, obviously Emmanuel Sanders switched teams halfway through the season and it looked like he just fit in with the 49ers immediately. Carson, thanks so much for joining us, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. Now welcoming to the desk, Tom Curran. What would I call you? Lead, senior, reporter, insider? Head Boston. Head muckraker. <laughs> I am the a guy uh, that knows everything that's happening in Foxborough. That's Tom Curran. Um, obviously, we're going to talk to you a lot about the Patriots. Uh, let's start here. And I want to be very binary, okay? I want to hmm. be very hot and cold, black or white. Whose decision is it going to be to bring Tom Brady back or not? Bill Belichick's or Robert Kraft's? Bill Belichick's. Hmm. Why? Because the Patriots have done... Kraft has done everything contractually possible to satisfy making sure that Tom Brady retired a Patriot. Now, the reason they're going year to year, I believe, is because for the good of the franchise, Belichick has gotten to the point where he's convinced Robert Kraft, look, we're going to go year to year as long as we can because we're not committing to a 41, 42-year-old quarterback. And that's where really the the schism begins is Brady's like look just because I was born in 1977 doesn't mean I'm 41 or 42 I'm not playing like that I love the commitment to me that I've expressed I'm desiring and you're not making it Robert Kraft and if you noticed this past off season Brady kind of sent a few missives towards Kraft saying ask Mr. Kraft about that and the reason being he knows that Kraft can fix it in a second why hasn't Kraft done that because he doesn't want to overstep bounds with Belichick it's still a fork in the road for the entire organization, though, that they haven't been to in some time. So I'd just like to play out both scenarios with you. One being Brady stays and the other Brady's out. Let's start with the first one, though. Brady's in. What happens then with the rest of the organization? And the, this all the trickle down. Yeah. Yeah, the trickle down is going to be interesting because you are then a little bit hand-tied with the cap. Mm-hmm. If Brady goes to free agency, for instance, looks around, then comes back, you're going to have a $13.5 million in dead money in addition to whatever you're paying him. So you're going to have 
further cap implications that may extend past the end of Tom Brady's career. Back in 2013, the Patriots talked about we don't want to have a quarterback taking up 18 to 20 percent. So to get back to your question, if he comes back, the Patriots have to once again go against that philosophical uh, belief that we're not going to take up that much of our cap with one player. Mm-hmm. If he does come back, does that prevent them and tie their hands from getting a tight end? They have to fix the tight end position. They have to probably fix the wide receiver position. Your best player is 34-year-old Julian Edelman. He's in the contract year. Uh, Mohamed Sanu is plus 30. He didn't play well, and he's in a contract Mm -hmm. year. Nikhil Harry, who's injury-prone, showed that he had good physicality, but you can't rely on him, and you have zero at tight end. So that's why Brady, I think, might have a resistance to saying, let's just run it back in 2020 the way it looked last year because it didn't look so good. And might not have a chance to re-sign someone like Joe Tooney at that point either. 100%. Um, Let's go down the other path, and let's go on the other side of the fork. Um, You have Tom Brady maybe going to play for the Oakland Raiders or some other team, I guess Las Vegas Raiders. Who would be the starting quarterback in that scenario? And do they already feel possibly comfortable with someone like Jarrett Siddham, who looked very good in last preseason, to already fill that role? The one interesting thing about Bill Belichick and, I think, Robert Kraft is their patience. Hmm. They're not going to make a decision until they're forced to make a decision. Mm -hmm. You saw it with Garoppolo. And people criticize him for getting a second, myself included. But they played it out and played it out and played it out because they felt they needed to do that. I think that's what's going to happen here. I don't think they have any idea right now, but they don't have any games, and Belichick would say that. The schedule doesn't start until September. I'm sure we'll have somebody playing quarterback, if indeed it's not Brady. Do they feel comfortable with Stidham? I think they like the arc of his development. I can't say specifically that they like the way he looks to start 16 games in the NFL and lead him to 9 or 10 wins. I mean, we've seen it at different points, right? Like Jimmy started some games at the start of the season. Jacob Brissett did that at times. It, it's one, though, to me, and you're so close to it that I don't even know where you might fit on this, just how different this team might feel, might look every single Sunday without Tom out there. And what holes might show up that we never knew were there, what things he's masking, what things he's covering up. Because, and I know he got a lot of flack, and I still think that there were points this season, not necessarily the highest level he was playing at, but he was still playing at a starting caliber winning level in this league. Oh, no doubt. And I think that if you put Kirk Cousins, for instance, in New England this past year, they wouldn't have made the playoffs. I think if you put a Russell Wilson or a Mahomes or a Watson, because they have a little bit more pocket mobility and can restart a play and hang around longer, they would have done as well as they did with Brady. But it's the ability, Josh, to to what you ask what they're going to look like. Well, they don't have the ability to go tempo up, tempo, tempo, no tempo, five wide, come back, play, power. When you have Jarrett Stidham there, there's a massive learning curve that you'll have to adjust for. And the Patriots' ability to morph within a game, within a quarter, within a drive has been a great great advantage they've had. And not just the departure of a quarterback potentially, but Skarnicki as well walking away. Yeah. Like All of that to, at one time, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. Do you have any good Dante Skarnicki stories? Because this is someone like, if more position coaches made the Hall of Fame, to me should be at the top of the list because of just how good he is at being able to cultivate that unit that is so important to winning football. And how much You're, he's seen too. Like, yeah. He's been around. I mean, he's been around. He was the, uh, the stand-in interim head coach when Dick McPherson had a heart attack back in 1990. Really? So he was in charge was for a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, one interesting thing, uh, Gerard Mayo did our show for a long time, Quick Slants up in NBC yeah. Boston, and he said that 
there is no player, no coach, who is insulated from Bill Belichick's wrath except for Dante Scarnecchia. Mayo said that he never heard a cross or stern word spoken in Scarnecchia's direction by really? Belichick. Because, I mean, you got a guy who's kind of a stooped-over, wiry, former Marine in Scarnecchia who is so old school, so detailed. He would run at the end of practice with his very high cutoff gray sweat shorts and his cutoff shirt, sprints back and forth across the training camp field in his 60s and 70s. Amazing. So he's a I'm 30 and I'm already tired. Um, We have to ask you about Josh McDaniels real quick because this is someone who had a head coaching job lined up with the Indianapolis Colts, decided to come back, now was mentioned with a lot of head coach openings. None of them came through in the end. Is it getting to that point, and we have no idea how much longer Bell's going to be head coach, that he might take on this mantle of coaching waiting again? Or do you think he – because he's kind of the last – coach that's remained with Joe Judge and Brian Flores and so on and so forth, all departing for other jobs. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that the end is really even in sight with Bill Belichick. While we used to think that, as he said, I'm not going to coach into my 70s, now that's off the table, and he may. Josh is not seen as the heir apparent because they're not looking for heir apparents. Got it. And Josh is not feeling as if I am about to be the next guy. So that really hasn't been decided. I think if an opportunity, the right opportunity avails itself, Josh wouldn't say, well... The Patriots might want me because they haven't even gotten to that point. What do you got? Let's <laughs> say we'll he, a game. he looks down and he sees a pail. He's like, what the hell is going on up here? Uh, you're not just a Patriots guy. I no. know you watch football all across the league. Like we football. even asked you about the game on Sunday. So in order to do that, in order to preview that, will you take one of these pieces of paper? Why, sure. Read? Do I need to use the spoon? No. That's if you would just, like to, but you're probably going to get four questions prop. and they're going to kick us off by um, then. And if you could just read it out loud yeah. and answer it, that would be awesome. Okay, here we go. Ready? Will the Richard Sherman versus Revis feud be mm. brought up during the game? Yes, by the, the announcers. No, it will not. Okay. Nope, 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 nope. You spent some time around Darrell Revis. I did. What did you think of him as a player? I thought he was fascinating. Old school, strong as hell. Um, the way he could shadow guys without, you know, to play at the size that he did and to be able to shadow guys as opposed to kind of the long, angular Stephon Gilmore types. I thought it was fascinating. That's what's cool about these defensive backs is you, you look at them as some of the greatest athletes on the planet and how gifted they are in that way. But the very best ones, they are like computer minds yeah. in terms of the way they study. Tom, you're the man. You are dominant on Patriots coverage. Thank Everyone you. out there, go and check out all of Tom's work. It's an interesting few months coming up for the Patriots. Thanks so much for joining us. Really Thanks for having it. me, Thanks, guys. Tom. Take care. Joined now by three-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro, Cameron Hayward. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you guys? We're great. You just coming off the Pro Bowl, yes. and more importantly, just coming off dodgeball. Which yes. of your peers, contemporaries, do you think took dodgeball like a little too seriously? Or is that even a thing? Like, is it okay to take it so seriously? I think I took it the most seriously. <laughs> really? Um, I was preparing at home, uh, had my, thron thro- my son throw me the ball, uh, even after a workout, I was like, I got to make sure I can catch. I was not going to be embarrassed doing dodgeball. You now, told Jarvis you can make that catch, too. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Now now I just have this image of you just pelting your son with dodgeball. Yes, I'm playing wall ball at home. I'm making sure I am ready for this opportunity. <laughs> it used to be nearly impossible for three, four ends, your position, yeah. to make the all-pro team just because you lacked the counting stats. Right. Um, but, you, but you personally changed that. Uh, do you feel like your position is overlooked right now still? Uh. 
still overlooked. Um, I don't think everybody knows the details that go in with playing a 3-4 defensive end. Um, you know, guys like Aaron Smith and Brett Kiesel, mm-hmm. um, you know, Kimo Kim- yeah. Von Offen, who played it back in the day. Um, you know, all these guys who were very underappreciated, and I feel like I'm just riding the coattails of them. Hmm. I think you're coming off, personal opinion, your three best seasons as a pro, and that's in your age, 28, <laughs> 29, and 30 seasons. Yes. Um, I don't think that that's normal. I don't think a lot of people perceive that age as a player's prime. Mm-hmm. How has it been yours? Um, well, early on, I really didn't play as much. Um, you know, uh, back in the day, you weren't really starting, you know, rookies. Um, whether I was ready or not, it's for who to be told. But, uh, you know, uh, learning from you know, those greats, um, I've just always tried to improve. You know, when I got the opportunity, I was going to make sure uh, I didn't give that away. You mentioned those greats, and you played. You were fortunate enough to play with Troy Polamalu, James mm-hmm. Ferrier, and now with Bud and TJ. Yeah. Just a, a ton of guys who are all-timers. Uh, have you plucked anything from them to, per, to improve your game in particular? I'm just mad I didn't get all these signatures when I got the chance. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm always picking their brains, um, you know. You can never be too old to learn. Um, and there's so many opportunities to learn from greats and see how they study, um, see how they take care of their bodies, how they condition. Um, and then on the football field, you know, how do they you know, do their pass rush? How do they um, get ready for the ball um, being snapped? You know, there's so many different things you can learn, and uh, you just got to be willing to listen. Let's fast forward. Yes. When years and years from now, when you look back on your, your career, what is like the one individual matchup you think is going to pop into your head? I mean, you face off against some greats like right. Marshall Yanda, mm-hmm. Joel Batonio, Kevin yeah. Zeitler. Is there any one that you think, like, because you play those guys twice a year, yeah. often, that, hey, this is one that is going to stick with me for the rest of my life? I'm not sure which one's going to stick. You know, I played more Joel uh, than Yanda. Yanda's more of a, uh, a right guard, but, you know, I've had battles with Yanda over the years, and um, you know, Joel I've played against a bunch, and um, he's gotten things going. He's moved all over the line as well. Yeah. You know, he's had to play left tackle, left yeah. guard, and right guard. But, uh, you know, uh, going forward, uh, hopefully I still got a couple of big matchups left in me. Um, looking forward to that Super Bowl matchup one day. On the other side of the ball, you and the guys up front were always explosive. Yes. But then you added Minka. Yeah. So I'm just curious how he helped improve your game and the defense as a whole once he was added to the team. I think he just, you know, he's that uh, that cherry on top. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he uh, does a good job of keeping a lid on things. Um, and his, you know, preparation and what he did to always make sure he was in the right place at the right time, that's not by accident. You know, right. that's really understanding the defense. And to do that, you know, coming in week four, I think, or week three um, is unheard of. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I look for him to even grow more. But, uh, you know, he's done a lot for our team. And um, I remember the San Francisco game. We had, like, five or six turnovers, and he was responsible for, like, three of them. And I was like, Kevin Colbert, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, you know, to pull that trade off, uh, you know, you can take a lot of heat for giving up your first-round pick. But – um, it was definitely well worth it. Because when that trade happens, I mean, you have a losing record. Yes. And you deal a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. What's the reaction to people in the locker room in that moment? Is it, hey, management has a lot of confidence in this team, even yeah. though we're not winning right now? Because right. that is mortgaging the future to acquire a great player. Yeah. But you were losing at the time. Yeah. You know, I think it, it's a vote of confidence, understanding that we're not giving up on this season. Obviously, we didn't end up the playoffs like we wanted to. Um, but we were going to pursue trying to get in the playoffs. We were going to try to win the championship. Um, at all at all possible outcomes. 
Um, your youngest brother, yes. Corey, is a running back. Connor. 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 Yes. Excuse me. No, you're good. Is is a running back from Michigan State. Mm-hmm. What's it like to watch him run the football? Because obviously you play two drastically different <laughs> positions. It's way different, man. Uh, I, I don't even think I know offense that well. But I'm like, <laughs> he should be having the ball right here. He should be doing this. He's got cut better. But uh, when he scores, I'm like... Uh, it's like euphoric. You just uh, you're so excited and happy for him. Uh, you know he's transferring this year, so Is he? yeah, we're gonna see where he's gonna wind up. But uh, he's gonna be graduating um, this upcoming uh, quarter, so yeah. he's gonna be able to go wherever he wants and have two years left. But uh, you know I'm excited for him. Uh, he's gonna make that decision pretty soon, and um, wherever he goes, uh, he'll have a good head on. So does that make you? Then think what you'll do with the ball in your hands, like if you pick it up on a. Because you have no touchdowns. It looks. Like I have no touchdowns, <laughs> as of right now. As of right now. That, there, there's going to be some more time as we yes. established. Yes, we're going to have to remix a couple things and you know get back in the in the workshop. You might have to tell them about that uh, NFL extra points credit card to get them those yes. books though in college. Yes, those perks help out a lot. Um, you know, I think uh, it's the ultimate fan football card. You know, you're so many different things you could do. When you purchase something, you get points for it. And with those points, you can um, redeem them where you get uh, VIP experiences. You yeah. get to go to games. You get to go to Super Bowls. You know, over 50 people have used their their perks to purchase car um, Super Bowl tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to go to training camp, um, um, game time passes on the sideline. Uh, there's so many different things you can accomplish, and there's customization where you can have it for your own team. So every football fan is covered in this, so it's just an ultimate card. So I literally forget about my points all the time. So, but when it comes to football, <laughs> yes. I would gladly take that. So, yes. no, that's a good idea. Uh, Cam, we haven't asked you at all about the game on Sunday. So in order to do that, yes, this is this super awkward hook that we have yes. uh, with the pirate. I stole pirate it from a child. On the front. There you go. Um, why don't you pick out a piece of paper? All right. I know. It's not going to bite. Reach your hand in there right. um, and read it out loud. And just give us your answer. I'm glad you didn't you go could. for the scoot because yeah, your I hand might have been too big for it. What team produces the quickest touchdown drive? So by quickest, we mean shortest amount of time, obviously. Yeah. I'm going to say, oh, man, this is going to be hard because I remember the San Francisco game when they played the Browns and they were scoring like mm-hmm. like that. But then you have like a guy like Patrick Mahomes who it could just be a deep one to Tyreek Hill and it could be 13 seconds off the clock. Um, man, I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go 49ers. Um, okay. You know, I know uh, everybody's thinking Patrick, but you know, the 49ers do a lot and a lot of misdirection, and all it takes is one play to hit big, uh, and it could happen. They have those athletes, right? I mean, they yeah. got Brita, Mostert, Coleman in the backfield. You have Super Kittle, nice. who can break one tackle yes. and take it to the house. And Kittle's a great blocker, and he I is, think man. you know, I think everybody forgets about that with him. So, you know, he. If a running back makes one guy miss and Kittle's there blocking for him, it's gone. Cam Hayward, thanks so much for joining us, man. That was awesome. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you guys having me. Joined now by Dolphins wide receiver, Preston Williams. Preston, how you doing, man? Doing good. How y'all doing? Knee feeling okay? Knee is solid. Seem to be walking good. Hey, I've been walking since surgery. There you go. There you go. Uh, Preston, I want to start with this. It's been a wild four years for you, three years for you. I mean, you started at Tennessee for two seasons. 247 yards and two touchdowns in that span. You had to sit out before transferring to Colorado State for a year. Then in 2018, you go on to like catch 100 passes, almost 1,400 yards, 14 touchdowns, then undrafted free agent. Then you go and have like a great rookie season for the Dolphins. It's like this roller coaster 
so far. Yeah. How's it actually living that? Uh, it's a lot of growing, a lot of maturity. Uh, I went through a lot, you know, just even with the transfer, you know, just being young, you know, just trying to take the easy way out of everything. Just, oh, if I, if I can't ball here, I want to go play somewhere else. It's a, it's a great deal of maturity that I gained from just all them experiences. Right. But, uh, you know, I'm pretty glad what it made me, you know what I'm saying? I'm more uh, responsible and, you know, more a professional, so. It's, uh, the journey is cool, and you know, it's still yeah. going, so. Prior to the injury, like, that's part of the journey. You were hitting your stride, right. and you seem to develop chemistry with both Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen. Did your approach on game day alter, like, even your route running, the way you approached the game, depending who was under center? Uh, you know, a lot of it started in practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where we do a lot of our talking and game planning. Uh, you know, just spending extra time with the quarterbacks and other receivers, you know. You know, it go, it go a long way, and it, it speeds up your game, and you learn how to play and getting better, and it speeds up your, your playing process, too. Uh, didn't know how much I was going to play the first game and end up playing the whole game. Yeah. yeah. And starting, scoring a touchdown. It, and that was pretty awesome. And after that, I just realized, you know, Coach Flo, you know, he's a genius. Just putting everybody in situations where you got to compete with each other and like also still be family and be close, you know. And that's you – know, I like that about Coach Flo, you know, and that just, that just make you a better man, you know what I'm saying? So just coming to work every day. And you would say you and the receiver's room are family tight, like you, Albert Wilson, Devontae, all those guys. Yeah, uh, uh, every we're probably the closest group ever, you know. That's awesome. We all hang out and go to cookouts. Even when Kenny and them was there, we all used to hang out, you know right. what I'm saying? So, you know, it's, it's good when your group, your receiver room is close, you know what I'm saying? So, like, like me, for us to get hurt, Devontae stepped up and filled – and took and just filled up a lot of, of the missing pieces. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Every week, like if somebody got hurt, you know, somebody could step up because we just close like that. Have you two already spoken about like, hey, both of us are gonna be healthy heading into next season. Look what we might be able to do. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, me and Devontae talk a lot. Uh you know, I just get a lot of knowledge from him, you know, you know, going to his sixth, seventh season. You know, he's a vet. I used to watch Devontae in high school, you know, just being beside him. Us both being healthy, uh, I'm excited about the one-two punch we're going to bring. So, What are you looking to improve on in year two? Uh, just adding tools, you know, just to my my, my game, just mm-hmm. to become more elite. You know, it's a lot I can learn. From week one to week eight, I've made tremendous strides and just learned. I agree, yeah. And just and made more plays. You know, just and the games just started to slow down to me, you know, week eight. And I was just hitting my – just blossoming, like you said, hitting yeah. my strides. So, you know, it's, it's, all of it's going to roll this year. You mentioned Coach Brian Flores, and, you know, the media, those of us on the outside had, like, this perception of what the Dolphins might be right. in 2019. Mm-hmm. What was it actually? Like, what was the actual feeling inside that locker room? Because you all were way more competitive. I mean, were a much better football team than we thought you were going to be. Um, that smile on your face, too. <laughs> you know, they, 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 got, they, okay. got, they got a lot to do with, you know, you know start with the – the front office and, you know, the coaches, you know, like, they want to build a certain culture, you know, and they're building it. And, you know, we're all by then, so we come to work every day. Like, we was told we was going to go 0-11. We were going to win a game this year. And we ended up winning five. Right. And being a lot, of, a lot of good teams. Yeah. It's basically just showcasing what we could be. You know, let's put the 49ers, for instance. You know, 4-11 last year. Super Bowl this year. So you just never know. It's football. Football is real crazy. It comes down to one or two plays that changes the whole outcome of the game. So 
One of those front office members was actually here yesterday, and he walked by, and he'll go unnamed, but he said, he told us a little tidbit that you're into fashion. Mm. So I'm going to put it on you now. Which one of us looks better since we both walked downstairs in blazers today? Note. Did not plan at all. Note the pocket square. That's all I'm saying. Note the bald head. Just saying. Well, I need, that's going to be my next step. I mean, y'all both spill. It's different styles. Like, for instance, he got a button-up shirt on. He got a polo shirt on under his blazer. And you, you, you casual. But, like, Just ready chilling. to go party if you had to. I would, I would love to. <laughs> you can go party right now. Jacket and everything. I don't know right now just because we have all this going on. But, Too sure, I would love guy. to. Y'all both fashion there we go. though. I, like I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, I also, little birdie told me that you're a dog dad. <laughs> How's no. being a dog dad? Hard. Uh, hard. Very hard. <laughs> the, it's like being a dad. The, the breed I got. You know, I got I got a French bulldog. Yeah. He's like he's you gotta needy? be you got he's very needy. He got he got a personality to him, and like you gotta be real patient with him because, you know, like when he don't want to do something, he's not gonna do it. He, like, <laughs> like he'll sit there and look at you, but you know I love my dog. You know he's getting really big and he's learning. Yeah. Uh, you know the poop and the pee is probably the hardest thing. <laughs> Taking care of a puppy and then being at work. Yeah. Are you going to add one? Your house torn up. Is it is what it is. Yeah, but you know, I, I wasn't trying for nothing. That's great. So. Preston, thanks so much for joining us, man. Appreciate really appreciate you. it. Really appreciate. Good luck it. in year two. Thank you. Appreciate y'all. Joining the show now is the man who does a little bit of everything: <laughs> fantasy, it. sports betting, college basketball. That's Brad Evans. How are you, Brad? Uh, I used to be a teacher. I have a meteorology degree, so I can break down weather forecasts. I'm a man of of many backgrounds. <laughs> I wear several different hats, and uh-huh. especially a fancy one like this when in Miami. I'm glad you chose that one for today. Um, look, we all know what Radio Row is, what this event is about for a lot of our guests. They come on, and they're here to promote something. You're not, but— Trying to get a job. In a perfect world— <laughs> Brad Evans, what item would you be prancing around and promoting? Oh, and a perfect tequila, obviously. That's on brand for me. We said that off the stage. We know what you're going to say, yeah. I mean, look, guys, uh, I am what I am. I'm authentic. I'm genuine. I'm somebody that, you know, if I love tequila, chances are I love tequila. And I do. Like, look, here's a hint for you people out there who love the love juice like myself. If you're looking for a fine tequila for under $60, Herdura Ultra Añejo is money in the bank. Why don't you have a sponsorship? Why aren't you here hawking it? Like, everyone comes up and they have something to read. They they know better. If I worked for Herdura, I would drink all the profits. You wouldn't, there would be nothing to give there'd away. Be nothing, yeah. yeah, there'd be nothing left. The barrels would be empty. So I got to be honest. Uh, usually we bring our friends, other writers up here, and we dig through their LinkedIn profile, and we discuss that with them. I went to yours, though, squeaky clean. Literally nothing. How is that even possible? Just years and years of the fantasy industry. (laughs) Years and years of the fantasy industry, and that's about it. Like, organic growth on Twitter. Uh, Nothing but good things. So I have to leave it to you now to tell us what is the worst job you ever had, or Uh, most embarrassing. uh, Worst job? I used to work at a pizza place called Garcia's in Champaign, Illinois, my hometown. Uh, It is now defunct, that business. But there was the sausage, ground sausage. Mm At a pizza place, I will never eat sausage on a pizza again after experiencing getting hands-on with that kind of product. It was revolting. Producer Chris has an awful story of pizza this week. I'm going to call you out right now. 
I am. Uh, walking back from the bar at around midnight, oh, he's yeah. like, after a full dinner, says, I'm going to get a pizza. Goes and stops at this corner shop that is open 24 hours, which is a bad move. Bad move, And not, not just move. orders pizza, also orders mozzarella sticks mozzarella and sticks takes those all back to his room just for himself. Well, we can't hear you, Chris. The, the, did you, not did on you mic. dip the marinara with the mozzarella stick? You did. Okay. The, the part of the story you didn't hear about that was I actually ordered a tuna salad sandwich right behind him. No, this is so gross. It was good. It was good. I was in bed already. Okay, Brad. We have to talk about the Super Bowl. Yeah, let's go to football. How about that? I'm going to dig it on this tuna salad thing. It's so like you, you add a tuna salad sandwich at, tuna salad sandwich at around, the same corner store? Like around 2 in the morning, something like that, at a 24-7 window. It was good, and I didn't want a large pizza before going to bed. Kept it healthy, Josh. Wow. You have low standards. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. All yeah, right, let's do it. Um, but before we get there, I, ask, I actually want to like figure out your process to betting and gambling because, yeah. at least for me, th- these are how I kind of think of it. I try to predict on how a game is going to go. Like, let's take for example, I think you know the 49ers dominate. That I'm probably going to go under on Jimmy Garoppolo's passing yards because we know that when they take big leagues like we've seen, it's a lot of it it's in the running attempts. game. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then vice versa, if I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair, then I yeah. take an over on a lot of yards or attempts or whatever. Is that the right way to view this type of game, or how do you view it? Uh, there is no wrong way to view sports betting, in my estimation. You know, I, I look at where the money goes and where the public is sprinkling their action and what the you know public spread ticket distribution is. You know, I live by a 70-30 rule in general. Uh, so 70% of the public is tailing one side, whether it's the over, the under, or one particular team or the other against the spread, I go the opposite direction. Because typically that's how Vegas and, you know, Jersey and some of these other states make their money, mm-hmm. is basically taking advantage of the public's affections for a particular team. Great story, I'll tell you real quick. Yeah. Chicago. You guys remember this game? I'm a Bears fan. This is why I drink. Um, <laughs> Bears-Raiders game in London this past year, right? Indiana had just legalized sports betting. So what did Bears fans do? Naturally, hey, it's a London game. It's early in the morning. We're going to get up. We're going to get drunk. Yep. And we're going to you know, drive. Bet on Chase Daniel? Yeah, they're going to drive across <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. the uh, state line. Bet on Chase Daniel. We're going to bet on our beloved Bears. They're going to kill John Gruden and the Raiders. They're going to win at a walk. Of sure. course, we know the rest of the story. Yeah. The Bears got smoked in that game. And as a result, the I think it was a horseshoe casino in like Hammond or Gary, you know, there in the northwestern part of Indiana, had the single biggest windfall profit for a sports book outside of Jersey and outside of Nevada and the history of sports gambling. So, and that's just, again, playing on the public's affections for Mm -hmm. the local team. Uh, you just released a some of your favorite prop bets on a podcast. Yeah. One of the most interesting one I wanted to ask about was you had a lean on the coin toss. So now we're discussing this makes no sense to me. the ways of public and, and the sharp betting. How do you have a lean on heads or tails? Yeah, the public is heavy on tails because tails never <laughs> Does this make any sense at all? It doesn't. But it, look, we're, we're mathematical minds. Yes. You know, we, we think in fantasy and numerics and all that stuff. You know, it's, it's a 50-50 coin toss. Mm-hmm. Now, Funston, my colleague Brandon Funston on the Fantasy Record yep. podcast, he did some research and I got it here. Uh, the last uh, 53 Super Bowls, right? Tails has hit 28 times and heads 25. So his logic was, well, eventually it's going to even out. Progress. So he's on heads and I and I'm like, 
No, man, Tails never fails. You got to go Tails. The fact we have any data on that is incredible. But the public, 70% the public is of the on. public money right now is on Tails. Let, let's talk about some things that we've actually be able to predict. Uh, <laughs> no offense. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about George Kittle. Yes. Yeah. Right now, it's over under five and a half receptions, 73 and a half yards. I mean, this yep. is one of the players who is rare across the league. Few people can do what he's done. You know, we haven't really seen it in the last 10 years. Um, five and a half receptions, 73 and a half seems quite high to me based on the 49ers and how they've won recently. Correct. Well, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, last four games, he has declined in every game in terms of pass attempts. Now, he hit rock bottom. And the last round, obviously, with the eight pass attempts, we're not going to see When they him. didn't need him, yeah. Yeah, they didn't need him. And remember, he Mostert was just going bananas in that game. And now is a legendary story uh, that we're all familiar with. But I'm with you. I, I like the under here. Uh, Kansas City, you know, one of the, the, the better parts of this defense. We know the issues in, in terms of uh, defending the run. But the pass, uh, they have greatly improved. I think they've taken major leaps in, in terms of that defensive prowess. And they've done a really good job against tight ends. Like, Darren Waller's the only tight end that's gone over this proposed number on the season. Hmm. The only guy. Hmm. So, you know, look, if Kyle Shanahan sticks with the identity that got him here, that means they're going to run the ball early and often behind that bullying offensive line, which is going to reduce the pass attempts for... Jimmy Garoppolo, which will then trickle down to George Kittle, not having enough as well. So, yes, I'm taking the under on receptions. I'm taking the under on yards, which means he's going to go for like seven for 150 in <laughs> a score. So, Do you have a lean on Travis Kelsey? Do you have Travis Kelsey's problem? I do. What are you actually? Uh, I do not. 74 and a half there you go. yards. Uh, I actually like the over on that. Interesting. Okay. Barely. Barely. Just a hint. Um, Higby's the only guy, Tyler Higby's the only guy at the tight end position to go over this number against San Francisco this season. Kelsey's done it, though, 10 times. I just think he is going to be a point of emphasis for Patrick Mahomes. You know, he gets flushed out of the pocket. Maybe they overpursue, which is a distinct possibility, knowing the aggressiveness of that San Francisco front. And he's such an impromptu passer, just opportunistic in those situations that chances are he's going to line up with Travis Kelsey. I, I talked about trying to visualize these games. For me, it's just like, I feel so much safer betting on Kansas City's side just because win or loss, no matter what the game script is, Patrick Mahomes is going to throw the damn football. Right. Like yeah. Their offense is going to run and flow through him. So I, I think I, I feel much safer going to people like Tyreek Hill, going to people like Travis Kelsey, not so much Damian Williams, and even a Patrick Mahomes, just because, again, win or loss, he might end up throwing the ball 30, 35, 40 times. But that's why it's interesting because, yes, it's going to run through Patrick Mahomes, but they can be more effective. Like, the way you obviously attack San Francisco is via the run. Yeah. It's just a matter of they probably still won't do it. Yeah. Should we close? We should close. Yeah. We, okay. We've we got, got a little game. Got a couple things oh, here. Yeah. All right. Let's you know it. how this is. You can't just show up and interview, have did 10 different ones each and every day without having a hook. This is our hook. Okay. Um, little blue pirate bucket yeah you gotta pick well, a prop I, out a of child, it so this this actually <laughs> well i was gonna perfectly. steal your hat and use that for the next one if you don't mind <laughs> um yeah pick one read out loud okay. and it's you know more props this is the little prop pod we got going on right now oh does terrell suggs retire after the game what do you think sizzle um one of the like more underrated defensive players, I think, in the last ten or so. Oh, years I would completely NFL. agree with and that. And not being discussed whatsoever. Completely no, forgotten about no, in this I game. Mean, he's, yeah. he's not a major storyline at Radio Row this week, which is kind of mind blowing. Uh it, it depends upon the outcome of the game. If he is on the right side, yes. You hang up, you finish high, you go the Peyton Manning route, right? Uh if not, no, he'll be back. 
Simple as that. There we go. That's it. That is Brad Evans. Thanks so much, everyone. Talk to you soon. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.